And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. The World of Mythbits. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the World of Mythbits podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Barty. And this is our member of the month episode. And I am here with guest co-host. David K. Montoya. He's new. And our guest of honor, Clayton Barton. How are hey, you? Hey, how you doing? It's good to be here. I'm fantastic. I'm, I'm doing well. Got my coffee ready to go. Ready to roll with you guys. It's great to be. It's an honor to, to actually be able to talk with you guys. Now, just so our listeners know, there is some time shifting going on here. Where I am, it is 8.48 Sunday night. Where Dave is, it's, what time is it there, Dave? It's 5.48. Sunday. Sunday. 5.48 Sunday. And Clayton? (laughs) And I am 11.48 a.m. on the Monday. So, you know, I'm I'm Marty McFly right now. <laughs> Back to the future. So, I just want to first take a moment and congratulate you on your member of the month win for your amazing picture. I was just blown away called Transform, and that was in issue 65. Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to create that piece? Um, well, that piece was, and by the way, thank you for actually nominating me as member of the month. That's a real honor. Um, that piece transform was created a long time ago. In fact, many, many years ago, and it was for a zine that I was working on at the time with a bunch of friends. Um, and I believe that zine was called just to annoy you. And (laughs) Basically, it would just have a bunch of random stuff in it, you know, interesting little stories from other people who had sent in work, um, obviously lots of art, and I think that they use that particular one as the cover for that zine. So, you know, really it was it was only a little black and white zine. You know, do you guys know what a zine is? Oh, yes. Yep. So it's yeah. just, you know, A4 folded over, not a whole lot of room to work, but, um, you know, in Melbourne here in Australia, they've fairly popular actually there's actually a store dedicated to them which oh, is wow. uh, kind of cool yeah um but yeah that's really what and the theme of that zine was called transformed so i essentially just came up with a visual for the, that that was inspired by the theme and yeah you know Relax. i like to draw um you know beautiful girls with lots of kind of details so that's why she's surrounded by the alien-like structures within that image and i thought Mm -hmm. you know the contrast is just really beautiful with that one yeah to me it almost she's almost like she's breaking out of that (laughs) those barriers that are around her she's Mm. yeah that was the impression that i got from it and i'm looking at it again and it's like yeah Yeah, totally. Like she's just been born from the, you know, the alien-like structures. Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the time, I don't think about it. Actually, I just kind of go with the flow and try to come up with something that looks cool and make up a story after the fact. Oftentimes. So you you don't us- usually draw inspiration from anything. Like, does anything that you see around you inspire you in your artwork, or do you just kind of sit down and have a thought and go from there? I definitely have themes that inspire me. So typically I love sci-fi and horror and, you know, sometimes dark fantasy and that kind of stuff. So that's usually my go-to when it comes to coming up with something on a creative endeavor. But on top of that, I'll also seek out inspiration from various reference materials and subject matter that I've gathered over the years. So I have a giant folder just full of tons of inspirational references. Um, I'm a big fan of 90s comic books, so a lot of my characters look like they're from that era. Um, even the, the rendering style, the line work, it, it's all derived from that time because I had a lot of artists back then that really influenced me and inspired me to pursue my art in the first place 
So they're my inspirations. And I think that I used to really rely on them to help me come up with something creative a while ago, you know, back in the day. But now, you know, now that I've kind of got the reins and I've, I've learned as much as I've learned through experience, I'm okay to go out on my own. I take off the training wheels and I see what I can come up with because all of that subject matter has kind of infused with my own creative mind. So I can draw upon it a little bit easier now and uh, to more of an extent, you could say. And really, the only time I'll use references is to fill out the details. Uh, but mm-hmm. the general idea is oftentimes just, you know, come up with that on my own. It's already there a lot of the time, and that's why I need to draw it out. <laughs> yeah. You just have to get it out of your head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I know the feeling. I know the feeling. So you've had this particular picture published in a zine, and now it's been on the world of myth. Have you enjoyed um, publications elsewhere? Like, have you been any published other places? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I haven't. I haven't typically been published by any of the the big comic book companies out there, mostly because. <sighs> Oh, I see taken, Dave grinning. <laughs> except, except with, uh, of course, David's uh, Sergeant Iron comic, which really is, I was lucky that he invited me on to do that. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. He's been um, bouncing in his chair waiting to pull that out. I have. That's so cool. <laughs> so cool. I remember doing the cover for that as well. And it was it was a really fun project to work on. You know, the character was super cool, and he had this entire backstory. At the time, I guess I was I was very young, and I remember I was very busy with uni as well. So I mm-hmm. kind of uh, bit off more than I could chew, I think. But that's what made it a much more wholesome experience, I think, because when you think about the comic book industry and the kind of deadlines you've got to stick to. I mean, heck, they're even worse. I recently <laughs> talked to another artist named Vince Rodriguez, and he said that he had to do this comic book story for uh, Xenoscope, and it was a twenty, like a, a twenty-two, or no, it was a thirty-page comic or something like that within twenty-two days. Mm. So he essentially had to do two pages a day to get it done, uh, which he oh, obviously wow. didn't end up doing because it was just. You know, especially if you haven't really experienced that before and you're thrown into the deep end, it mm-hmm. can be a real shock, I think. But besides Dave's Sergeant Iron, which was super fun to work on back in the day and taught me <laughs> a lot, uh, I haven't really – maybe even getting a taste of that, I didn't really go for the other publishers because I didn't really want to draw Spider-Man. And I didn't really want to draw the Hulk and, and even Batman and stuff. I wanted to draw my own characters. Mm-hmm. So the way that I figured it was that one day I would create my own comic book studio, tell my own stories with my own characters. And the way that I figured I would do that was by first creating another side business that would teach people how to draw comics. because And that's where howtodrawcomics.net came from. Because I was a teacher at the time, and I started teaching. So when I met Dave, uh, I was still going to uni. But the year after I graduated, I started teaching at that same one in video games design. And that was in character concepting and environment concepting. And that was really cool. And I really got a lot of satisfaction out of being able to pass on my skills to other people and to Mm -hmm. see them level up their own abilities. That was super cool. That wasn't just working in a studio anymore to produce something that would be later consumed for entertainment. But that was actually, I felt like it was using my skills in a bit more of a rewarding way than that. You know, I was kind of giving back, essentially. Yeah. And, and And so, of course, How to Draw Comics was inevitably going to come about, especially because I started looking into internet marketing and figuring out how I could financially sustain all the all the ambitions that I had, and I have a lot of ambitions, you know, there's (laughs) tons of things I want to do in life, more, even more so than comics, you know, I want to make movies one day, I want to make action figures, all the geeky stuff, basically, (laughs) I want to tick off my bucket list. Yeah. Uh, And so, I kind of focused on my own thing, and, and built that up while teaching on the side, and that was really convenient, because I could kind of pick my own hours for that, and 
you know, it allowed it, it allowed me time in the day to continue chipping away at that larger goal that I had inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a question so, for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead, Dave. Um, what do you find more rewarding? I mean, creating your own work or teaching? I mean, I know it's it's two different avenues, but what do you feel is most rewarding? Yeah, it's they're both rewarding in different ways. So teaching is great because it's much more less about me and more about those I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. And there's a sense of community in that way. You know, you're part of this tribe and you're kind of the, you're the leader of the tribe and you're able to do the best that you can for them and impact them in a positive way. Whereas actually drawing comic books, it's almost like for me, it feels like a, a much more selfish endeavor, but in a good way. Cause you know, I'm sitting there and I am just immersed in my own creativity. Like I'm indulging in it. And <laughs> to be honest, when there are times when I, that's all that I want to do. You know, I'm working on all this educational content, you know, figuring out why I do things the way I do them, breaking it down in a very, you know, uh, analytical manner. And that kind of sucks for your creativity in a sense, you know, because once the demonstration is done, then you've got to analyze it all. Right. And there's no, no more pressing time that I experience than that when I really feel like I just want to throw it all away and work <laughs> on my own comic book and escape to my man cave and, and not come out for months, right? Um, and the, the positive thing is, though, is that all this time the teaching has, as I said, allowed me to analyze the way that I work. And because of that, I've become a much better artist. So I've really had to you know, look at my abilities on an extremely deep level. And I've had to make sure that when I'm demonstrating what I'm doing and I'm breaking it down to other people, that it's done so in a way that they can actually take on board and it's done in the correct way. So I mm-hmm. had to make sure of that, right? So now when I do go to create an illustration just for fun or I I do a, a, a small sequential here or there just to make sure that I can still do it, right? Um, it's... Yeah. It's, it's way easier than, than it would have otherwise have been because I know exactly what the method is going to be and the kind of techniques that I'm going to use for that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. now you've mentioned you like to draw dark fantasy, horror, things like that. Do you have a particular genre that is your absolute favorite that you just love to dive into and you know, that's your go-to? <laughs> yeah, it's it's really interesting that, that you bring that up because I – draw a lot of sci-fi but i think my real love is horror like the <laughs> if, and, I, and i say that because every time i'm having a movie night on the weekend with my friends the the first category that i go to is horror or thriller you know i love the movie monsters like freddy mm-hmm. and jason and, um, oh. michael myers and you know all those ones um i love the thing you know which is kind of like a sci-fi oh. monster movie so i yep. love the creatures right and the old one, like the blob and, and, yeah. Uh, oh, what was that? Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yep. Exactly like that, right? Yeah. And I love those. Um, sci fi is, for some reason though, I always end up drawing sci fi stuff. And I think that's because I really like telling the story of a character. And mm-hmm. I feel like I don't get to really do that as much, or at least it's not as much of a focus in horror than it is in a sci-fi. You know, sci-fi, you have to really figure out exactly where everyone fits into the world, how they're all connected. And in horror, it's kind of like there's a monster and it's scaring the crap out of everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And that's about all there is to it, right? Yeah. You know, build off of that and make it a bit more, uh, you know, have a bit more depth than that, of Mm -hmm. course. But that's really the the guts of it, I think. Yeah. Well, with sci-fi too, you have to create a world that is beyond this world, but believable. Mm. Yeah, totally. You know, you think about a movie like a series like star Wars mm-hmm. or, um, you know, any other one. And I guess the same could be said about fantasy, you know, Lord of the Rings, game of Thrones, you're creating this entire world and just the vastness of it all has to be articulated to the nth degree. And I yeah, mean, as a writer, there's a lot that you can play with there, a lot of expansion that you can create. And I think 
really in the end creating stories within that world becomes a lot easier because of just the sheer amount of content matter that you've got to use there. Yeah. You have to remember to be consistent, though. <laughs> you have to be consistent. you, you got to get rid of those plot holes or at least figure out a way to work around them. Yeah, because <laughs> the people will come back on you. Exactly. So when you're not being this fantastic artist, when you're not being a teacher, what do you like to do in your free time? Um. Well, I, I pretty much just mentioned it, actually. I really love catching up with my buddies and watching some great movies because – I find them inspirational, and I like to think that even when I'm relaxing, I'm somehow being productive in a creative way. So in my mind, I'm going, well, you know, I can hit a few birds with one stone here, right? I can watch and I can bond with my with my mates uh, over some movies, you know, sh- some shared experiences. But at the same time, I can also really study that feature, uh, that film, and and ask myself, you know, what's what am I liking about it? what's working to me that I could use in a potential future story that I might create someday. One of my favorite things to do is literally note down on my phone uh, pieces of dialogue that stand out to me. <laughs> dialogue that just really hits home. Um, you know, there was one, the, uh, <laughs> there was, I was watching Supernatural or something the other day and there was this one line uh, where one of the guys, uh, they said, you know, in this business, you either get dead or you get dead faster. And <laughs> I thought that was yes. really cool. And I actually noted that down. I'm like, that'd be a really cool name for a comic book story. Dead that's fast. A- right. Oh, yeah. But that's, so that's a like series that. that's really good for picking out just story ideas. And yeah. um, I'm a huge Supernatural fan. Huge. <laughs> Me too. What season are <laughs> you up there? I'm on the current season, but I haven't watched the current episode, so no spoilers. Okay, no worries. I'm, on, I'm probably <laughs> a season behind you. Ah, uh, okay, so I will give you any spoilers. Yeah, please, don't. <laughs> Just yeah. be prepared. I haven't seen I an episode. Well, I'll brace myself. Oh, Dave, you need to watch it. <laughs> I'll put it I'm, on my I'm list. A... <laughs> Supernatural, when I... when. I go to watch movies. It's thrillers, anything paranormal, anything. I'm not the slasher gore kind of movie person. Mm-hmm. I'm more of the psychological thriller. I want something to nice. make me jump. I want something that's going to make me, yeah. when I'm going upstairs to bed and I've turned off all the lights and the dark is chasing me up the stairs, I want to run down the hall. <laughs> not because totally. I'm afraid, you know, Freddy's going to get me, but because it's... Something's creeped me out. <laughs> it's disturbing in yes. some way. Yes. Yeah. One of my favorite movies like that was uh, The Mossman Prophecies. I thought that was a really cool With, movie. Um, Richard Gere was in that. Yeah. 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 That, that, I still, I've actually, after I watched that movie, I did a lot of research online into mm. that legend, and that's. Yeah, it's it. Yeah. It's kind of. I think um, that was during yeah, my unsober that. days. I don't remember that. For once, you're odd man out. I am. So, so what are your what are your favorite themes and inspirations, Dave? You don't mind me asking, because I I assume you still write a little bit here and there. Actually, I've started writing a lot this year. I've I've written a lot since like the old days. Uh, That's cool, man. Love that. Um, what are my inspirations? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, the 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 old idea of what if is where a lot of my stuff comes from. Okay. Like, um, there's a a. Do you go to the world of myth or no? I mean, have you been following it? Uh, not too much. Okay. Not too much. I, I, I won't hold it against them. I know. Um, honestly, I because I know that Dark Myth Comics ended up becoming closed down. Mm-hmm. Right? Was there an end to that at some point? I actually got a cyst and deceased order from Manga Entertainment because they held oh, the right. the rights to Dark Myth, and they literally beat. 
my application for Dark Myth by months. So now I have to lease the name Dark Myth. That's how it's back. Right. But yeah, I for see. a long time, it, it I, I stopped publishing for five years. Okay, yeah. And see, I think that's why I was I was always a little bit, yeah, what's what's Dave up to these days? Like I was a little bit unsure about um, what direction you'd headed in. And I guess, you know, we, we kind of always kept in touch every now and then, like once in a blue moon. That was intermittently. Cool, but yeah, intermittently, which was, it's awesome when you can keep in touch with the people that you've worked with for that amount of time. I think, and here we are now having a podcast together. Basically. Yes. It's amazing. Um, what do you prefer as a medium? Do you prefer the digital medium or the old fashioned um, pencil to paper? Oh, good one. See, I can yeah. ask artistic That's questions really... too. <laughs> That's a super good question. I think for me, what I, what I prefer these days is digital just because it's so easy and convenient to use you know i don't really have to worry about buying art supplies in any way shape or form so that means paper and pencils and fine tip pens which is what i always kind of think that i would have been using had i stuck with the traditional way of working mm -hmm. um, but when i switched to digital it did take some time to get used to and to get comfortable with um, you know, mm -hmm. I had to learn how to uh, create cool-looking pencils, slick-looking inks. And the coloring, I always figured that I had no choice but to do that digitally. I I knew that they colored their stuff digitally. And I knew, I knew that they used these, you know, cut-and-grad techniques in Photoshop that I'd have to learn if I wanted to get my work looking the way that theirs did. Yeah, um, so they stay competitive. Much, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> they were very much... It was less about being competitive and just more about being able to do cool stuff like they were mm -hmm. doing. Because I was uh, I was a kid at the time and I was just in awe at their their abilities and what they were able to produce. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, when I went digital, I had to learn all that stuff. And after a while, I just got so used to it that I pretty much became more comfortable working digitally than working traditionally in a weird way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. However, the other day, I did jump into my sketchbook with an old, good old-fashioned ballpoint pen, <laughs> and I realized, hey, you know what? I can actually still do this stuff traditionally. If I'm ever at a Comic-Con or something like that and someone wants a commission, I can still pull it off because uh, oh, I was a little bit yeah. nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've watched um, – I'm a writer. I Yep. My, my grandfather was a painter. My mom, and he would sketch. My mom can sketch and she can paint. My aunt can sketch and she can paint. I can't draw a stick figure. Stick figures, forget it. Uh, <laughs> and I would always kind of get down like, oh, you know, they can create all these beautiful pieces. And I'm over here, you know, typing away on my computer. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather said something to me that he says, I draw pictures with words. Now, yep. I've watched a digital artist. And I, I have to look at what I'm doing and I've seen them with the, the pad and the pen and they're looking at the screen up here and their hand is over here drawing and they're looking, yeah. how do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. That whole hand, I, it, it just amazes me. <laughs> that is, that is the weirdest part about it is the hand-eye coordination shift that you have yeah. to make. And uh, it feels like it, there's a very big disconnect there initially. And I think that's what throws a lot of artists off about going digitally is they have one try at it. They real, they, it feels super ultra awkward for them mm -hmm. and it, it just leaves a bad taste in their mouth. So they decide to throw away with the digital and keep on doing traditional. But if you can keep on going with it for like, you know, a, a few weeks at least, it doesn't take a whole lot to just get used to it. It's mm -hmm. initially that, that discomfort that you feel, I think, which is the worst part. But discomfort only happens because you're not quite used to it just yet. Yeah. So you just got to give yourself that time. So um, kind of like driving a stick shift. Totally. Eventually, exactly the clutch it. and the gas, you don't even think about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because... I'm 28, 
And I still do that a lot. Um, I love public transport and being driven around by other people because, <laughs> um, actually, I mean, I can drive, but uh, not, le- know, not legally. <laughs> not, not legally. Just on my, I'm on my learners, so I can kind of drive legally, but I have to have someone in the car with me. But mm-hmm. you know, that's more for financial reasons and stuff. Um, you know, I just don't need a car. Work from home all the time, so. Yeah. Hey, my husband's approaching 50 and he's never had his license ever. <laughs> he's Could been be stubborn due to like the fact that I'm the one that has to be in control, but you know. <laughs> no, he he likes to walk everywhere. He likes to look at the scenery. Um he's big into herbal medicines and wild crafting and and harvesting from the wild. So if he's driving, he's not seeing any of that. Totally. If I'm driving, then he can go, hey, pull over, because <laughs> he sees something. <laughs> I have three kids. Yeah. I'm stuck at driving. <laughs> yeah. So, so Dave, do you think you'll get back into uh, comics at some point? I'm actually actively working on it right now. That's cool, man. That's fantastic. There's uh, reviving the, uh, the, le- the, the myth legend, the dark myth legend. <laughs> Well, you'll probably have to call it something else now, right? No, I'm I'm leasing the name Dark Myth. Cool. I pay. Oh, from them. Mm-hmm. Right. But I was 13 when I came up with that name, so it 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 just didn't feel right, and that was kind of the reason why everything kind of shut down is because we were forced to change it, and we became MythWorks, and and though it, it sounded all nice and corporatey, it just it wasn't what I created, and I I got eh, forget it. Started Jaisalmon, yeah. went into podcasting, and then after all that's happened in the past, now I'm back and I'm like, you know, it, it's kind of like breaking up with an old lover, and then you're like meet up in the past and or in the future, you're like, oh yeah, I remember why I like you, you know, that's that's kind of how it is. <laughs> that's and cool, man. and uh, I'm I'm knee deep in it, and yeah, you are. <laughs> I stayed up until 3 o'clock this morning going through looking at possible artwork for the World of Myth 2019 calendars, which, cool. you know, I, I, I won't say, but I will, you know, <laughs> <laughs> will be hopefully, fingers crossed, be out in December. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm back in right. it. That's good, man. Now, what about cool. you? You are actively making comic books again, yes? Uh, actively making comic books. Not quite. I'm still working on the courses for howtodrawcomics.net. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually working on one that I want to come out in December as well. Uh, and that's basically teaches people how to draw and design superheroines. So through the Ooh. entire process. He draws amazing women. Yeah. I know. I've um, been through his portfolio online. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I was cyber stalking you. <laughs> Awesome. Always happy to be cyberstalked. <laughs> yep. Um, so the plan is, Dave, is that I want to get out the superheroines course, the superheroes course next year, and then a course that basically takes people through the process of creating three consecutive se- uh, sequen- sequentials, and that'll be full-colored sequentials and everything. And then after that, I'd like to jump into my own comic book projects. Um, you know, I might put out, I might still put out a course here and then maybe on covers or, you know, other kind of villains and brutes. I'd love to do that because I find it fun, right? Absolutely. Um, but I was thinking some of those characters I could maybe use for a comic book project. And at that point, I'm hoping that I'll be, it'll be a financially viable option or at least it'll be able to be sustained financially. Now, will you um, go print or will you go digital? It'll be primarily digital um, just because uh, unless I hit the jackpot and I'm able to afford hard copy prints, then um, it's just not it's just not going to be uh, possible, unfortunately. Maybe I could find a publisher or something like that and that would work. And I'm sure there are options out there as well. Um, I might do a few you know, paperbacks for the conventions and whatnot. But I do feel that I can definitely market digitally. I just don't think digital 
comic books have had the opportunity to really be sold or marketed in a, in a way that works just yet. And I think there's a lot of potential there that you could go with. Um, for example, alternative intros and endings, um, alternative plot lines. Uh, of course, that's building off of the alternative covers and whatnot, but there's a lot of cool stuff that you could do with it. That's actually a really a neat idea that I did not even think about. You know, almost like pick your story kind of thing. Totally, yeah. Oh, I loved those kinds of books as a kid. You know, you'd, you'd read a bit and then I would say, okay, if you want to do this, turn to this page. If you want to think you should do this, turn to this page. And you could yeah. read the same book three times and have three different adventures through the book. Totally. And it wouldn't be, it wouldn't change the plot in a significant way. You'd just have, you know, say one version of issue two that at the end there would be maybe a, an additional page that showed the char- a slightly different angle of the character that maybe gave you a clue into what issue three was going to be about. But mm. it would be different and unique and a limited edition, which is what would give the digital platform value. Because you could say, well, there's only going to be 100 copies of this particular digital edition ever sold, and that's what would allow you to – because that's the thing. Digital loses value because it's not really tangible. Right. There's, no act, there's nothing you can hold in your hand. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's a new technology. And so it's just a matter of figuring out ways that you can make it valuable again, I think. You know, we're still mm-hmm. catching up with this stuff. <laughs> I was actually yeah. one of those type of people that thought, uh, you know, because – I grew up, I mean, I've been collecting comics since 1987 and, you know, physical comic books. And I I never thought when I heard about the digital press and comicology.com and all this, I just, I kind of blushed, you know, it'll go away. Kind of like how I felt about eBooks. And I'm first to say when I'm wrong, I was wrong. Uh Um, And in fact, um, my library on comicology is vast. We're talking probably about 2000 books. Wow. Digital and traditional, what they share in common is the most important parts of what makes a comic great, which is the story and the characters. Right? Yes, yes. And the, the only difference is that you ho- you're able to hold it in your hands when it's a hard copy. But here's the thing. That deteriorates, okay, over time. It deteriorates. It can get damaged. It can get lost or stolen. If you've got it digitally on your comicsology store, it's never going to fade in quality. Nope. It'll always be there in maximum resolution. And you can access it wherever you are, right? Yes. It's super cool. What, yeah, you could be, you know, knee deep in the mud and say, yeah, I feel like reading a comic book. And you know, pull out your phone and start, you know. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in quicksand. I've got a few hours. If I stop moving, I'll just read. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, show your... I mean, imagine how cool it would be if you could, if someone created a platform like Comixology, uh, where you could like trade comics or something like that, or um, oh, that would be amazing. You know, show your friends, oh. It'd be super cool, right? Oh, absolutely. So that's what I mean. There's a lot of options out there, I think, and you know, it's funny because there's already been established ways of doing this stuff that we try to take digital, but you have to be somewhat of a pioneer, I think, to really evolve the process of bringing digital comics to the masses in a bigger way because comic book stores sadly are going out of fashion they're they're closing down a lot which sucks big time it's because they're just too expensive to run too expensive to produce as hard copies Uh, which i which is why i think in the future digital is going to really um take Take over over. whether that's for the better or the worst (laughs) Well, I already yeah, see it happening um, in like schools here in California. Uh, my yeah. son's a senior in high school, and he instead of them giving books out, he has um, the little Google tablets. What are they called? Do you know what they're called? I can't think of what they're called, but they're tablets, and it's got all of the books on this one yeah. tablet. So when yeah. he has to do homework and read through math, he just pulls out his tablet, you know, find the math book and read it right there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And that's that's the cool thing about it as well is that you can just flip through a comic book on your on your tablet these days. And mm-hmm. uh, even my brother Corey. So my brother Corey does comic books at the moment. He's done he's probably done way more comic book than I've ever done. And 
he does them all on this tablet and it looks great. Like the colors are so vibrant and, and nice. And again, like I said, the resolution is there. So you get all the details and quality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, anyway, that's, that's my spiel on digital comics. I think that <laughs> there's a lot of advantages to them. And probably when I do bring out a comic book series, Dave, it will be digitally, but there'll be a lot of little quirks to it that make it fun. Like, you know, I think about this, how Steam, how, do you guys know what Steam is? It's a gaming platform. I have yes, it. Yeah. My husband's the on there. Steam. He plays World of Warcraft and there's my son. Yeah. Well, well acquainted with Steam. <laughs> totally. And, and what all people play video games too. Did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what the platform did was it replaced video games in stores and buying them from stores as on CDs and, you know, DVDs and stuff. And it made us so that it was all accessible digitally. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. later on, that became extremely convenient for people. And that what they have that's like, I like looking at what they bring out because they bring out really interesting stuff to make the experience of collecting those games even more fun, right? So they'll allow you to collect cards, for example, in these video games or like new skins for the characters. Or mm-hmm. add-ons. They'll give you add-ons, right? So imagine if you could do that for digital comics. That would be, oh, That'd be yeah. super cool. Like change the hey, costume of the character. Comic. Would yeah, that would be cool. Like little Easter eggs in the comics. Totally. Like maybe you can get the comic, and as a bonus, you can get the character bio booklet as well. You know, something cool like like that just sounds exciting to me. Yeah. That yeah. that is now. I, I know that I'm the guest guy here, you know. <laughs> I've, I've been asking a question. I'm uh, not a question, Dave. Carry on. <laughs> so, okay. Well, you on the podcast. <laughs> because this is this is where I'm at. There's not too many people that I can actually sit and talk about comic books, drawing the business, you know, as far as comic book wise. Um, where is your stance, especially being in Australia? the the corporate takeover of the 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 the, the main <laughs> companies you know like disney owns marvel uh warner brothers owns dc and it's more of a corporate machine now than the actual comic books that we grew up with and i'm just kind of curious to see what your take is on that yeah yeah i think it's uh it is an interesting time that we live in in the comic book industry and honestly, I think that um, when I look at it, I see them making a lot of mistakes that could potentially bite them in the bottom uh, later mm-hmm. on in the future. And mm-hmm. one of those being that, as you said, Dave, it's, it is essentially a corporate machine. Disney saw that Marvel had a huge property in Marvel and that they could create content and entertainment around that for decades to come right all the characters that are in that universe and the amount of the the following behind them is huge and so they bought that and it was going to be make money making machine and it is but as a result the heart and the love and the quality isn't quite there anymore and if you look at the and i don't know if this is just my comic book stores that I go to. Maybe I'm just having a bad run, but I look in the comic books there and yeah, the covers are always flashy and awesome. You know, they're digitally painted realistic and they look fantastic. But then you open up the book and it's like, I don't know the the quality of the artwork. It's just flat. Seems, and I hate to toot my own horn here. Like I'm not saying I'm the best artist in the world, but I do feel like a lot of the art in those books in those from the big two, uh, well, actually, DC is probably doing a better job art quality-wise, but Marvel specifically, it's like some of the artwork is just totally like lame and amateur-looking, and I don't know. I totally why, agree. Right? Like they to should me, have the It looks like they've done it as quickly as they possibly could mm-hmm. to get it out on the shelves as, pos- as fast as they possibly could to get the money in to get the next one out. Totally, totally, and and if you combine that with the fact that they're trying to make comics more realistic to reality. So they're trying to make a man and a woman more realistic, for example. And I guess in a sense, create a stronger connection of re- relativity. 
so you can relate to them better. But the thing is, is they forgot that comics were never about that. They the the reason that they're so attractive, at least in the superhero genre, is because Escape. these characters are bigger than life. Right? right? Mm-hmm. They're supposed to look like gods and goddesses with divine superpowers, but instead mm-hmm. they just look. Superman just looks like you know. He's maybe a little bit more muscly than me these days. Yeah. <laughs> he, he hits the gym maybe twice, maybe three times a week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so here's here's part two to this question. Okay, so we both agree that it's become a corporate machine. And that the fact that they do produce poor quality content. But on the upside to that, swings the door wide open for indies to produce that Absolutely. produce good quality to say, here we are. Take a look at our stuff. Absolutely. That's if you hadn't have said that, I would have jumped in and said it as well because <laughs> it's a hundred percent true. Um, the thing with indies is there's much more passion behind them. You know, we're not really mo- that motivated by money because no. if we wanted money, there'd be way easier things we could do to get it. <laughs> and so, I think that what's going to happen in the future is because we're able to skip the middleman now and publish our comic books online tomorrow for nothing. Literally yeah. no upfront cost, right? All, all we need is time. We create the cool looking comic book with the epic looking art. We put it on gum road or something like that. And then we market it online. And if we have a following, that's a little bit easier, but I mean, heck Facebook ads aren't that expensive in comparison to traditional advertising. So, I mean, you could totally, you know, put some money behind that. You know, just target Comixology's audience. You can do that with Facebook these days. And get some eyes on the work. And here's the thing. Anyone who loves reading comic books, they love it because it's a visual medium. So mm-hmm. if the visuals mm-hmm. in your comic look fantastic, then they're going to be automatically – it'll be like moths to the light, right? They're going to be automatically attracted to it. It's going to capture their attention. Mm-hmm. And if enough exactly. independent guys start doing that, then I think – and gals. If enough <laughs> independents start doing that, I think that you'll see a huge shift actually between commercial comics and independent comics. And I think that independents may not ever necessarily 100% take over because Disney is a conglomerate. But I think that they will become more and more popular and there will be a much greater shift in the future. Well, well – I- Go ahead. I've noticed um, in the indie group itself, be it movie, be it book, music, comics, just even in the last five years, there has been a shift where there is a whole lot more of different types of medium within the indie category that is coming out. There's more and more people that are going that route over a commercial route. Um, we have film festivals all over Ontario in the summer devoted to the indie film, devoted totally. we have music festivals devoted to the indie artist. So yeah. I think that whole movement is growing by leaps and bounds. Yeah. So. It's an exciting time, and indies have no limitations either, so mm-hmm. they can create some really original stuff that you know is, is going to be different to anything you're going to see from those major two. Yeah, what was your what were you going to say, Dave? Oh, pretty much just that that it's it's even though it, it's um I'm trying to get my, my bound because I can hear the kids fighting in the background. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You don't hear glass breaking, they're fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I was going to say is that even though it's – it's um, it kind of depends on who you talk to because there's like a lot of – you know, you have naysayers and, and everything and every genre, every medium. You know, they're like, oh, you know, because of the – like you said, Disney being a conglomerate and, and just because of their deep pockets, they're pushing out. And I, I know this for a fact. That you know they're say you you're you own a comic book company and you order maybe fifty you know com, uh, X Men comics and because they're part of Disney they have the deep pockets instead of getting fifty you get hundred and fifty and when they print out their monthly reports 
you know, it says, you know, oh, we sold 150 units to this particular score or store, and and overall it looks like you know we're doing really well. But mm. I was going to say counter to that is that even though they're producing, they're they're not being sold, they're not being read, they're being returned. As where the last time I looked, and when did I start working on Darker Myth? I think that was in March. And it looks like compared to like when we first met, and I, I was doing the math, I met you 10 years ago. So you were 18 when I met you. Yep. And um, compared 10 God, years in one decade, um, the, the readership of independent comics has gone up, I think, like 32% in the last Amazing. decade. And if you look at it in, yeah. in generalized profit shares and market share, that's huge. Yeah, that's that is massive. <laughs> you know what I think may have done it is it's. Have you heard of the game Magic: The Gathering, the card game? Yeah. Yep. They all go and they. Comic book stores are hosting board game nights where because my son right from as soon as he discovered. The game, I think he was like 12 or 13. We have a local comic book store called Nirvana. Nerdvana. Nice. And like they, the, kids, the kids needed a place to gather to play this game. So the comic book store, every Saturday night, there would be a bunch of prepubescent teens in there. Tables all set up and they would have tournaments and they would play. Well, it was bringing the kids in. Well, when they're not playing, they're browsing the comic books. Mm. They're discovering all of those old favorites. They're discovering all of those new favorites. And that comic book store, he's 27 now, my my oldest, and he still goes. Every Saturday night, (laughs) off he goes to the store. And he's in there playing with kids that are 13, 14 years old that are coming Mm. into the game and discovering comic books and the whole genre all over again so that's super cool i love that and it'd be really great to see more opportunities like that for people to become more involved especially newcomers to comic books just to really get into the zone you know nerdvana is a great way to describe it actually (laughs) yeah (laughs) Mm. yeah that's yeah that's a great title i wish i had it totally (laughs) Totally. sorry it's taken yeah, I like what I do like what you were saying though, David. I think that's a hundred percent true. Yeah, wait, what were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> I remember it was good, and I, and I agreed with it. The readership um, has increased by thirty-two percent. Yeah, thirty-two percent. Independent that's readers. Amazing. That's huge. And yeah, the because of Amazon, the the reach of uh, independent authors, you know, like novelists, have even gone past that. I don't remember the number, but I remember it was higher than 32. But it, and it's because there's more outlet for the independents, you know, independent creators, to not only create the the material, but to put it out there and to be circulated with the the um, the main stuff. And if it's looking better than the main stuff. You know, I mean, if you're going to have a Papa John's, and I know I'm, I'm probably, I'll probably have to bleep that out so I don't get sued. But if you have a Papa John's pizza that looks kind of crappy and freezer burnt for 20 bucks, and then you have Joe Blow's pizza for, you know, 15 bucks and it looks fresh, which one are you going to get? You're going to get the nice one. Yeah. D- despite exactly. the name brand, you're going to get what looks the best. Yeah. And that's kind of what's happening in the market. Yeah. I'm a poor yeah, author. I never go name brand. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, we all feel the same way. Don't worry. We're all on the same boat. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because a lot of people will argue, well, it's really hard for independent comics to get their characters out there because they don't have the same following as Spider-Man or Wolverine or Batman and Superman. Uh, but the funny thing is, is I think, it started to work against them having such a large brand because, and this is just something that I heard uh, in, in the comic industry news recently, which was 
that one of the reasons new readers feel so intimidated to pick up a comic book is because a character like Superman just has so many issues behind it mm-hmm. that they feel they need to read before they can get into it. But even more than that is to read issues, say, 600 of Superman and to actually understand what's going on, you also need to read, like, issue 200 of Wonder Woman and then issue 300 of Batman or whatever, right? Because they're all kind of interconnected. And it's, of course, to get readers into books that they wouldn't have otherwise have checked out. But it does exclude a lot of people who have who are only just getting into comic books, a lot of newcomers. Right? There you go. (laughs) There you go. And including me. Like, I don't actually collect that many comic books, but the ones I do love collecting are kind of like the miniseries. Like, I really love Mark Silvestri's Hunter Killer because that was like maybe six books or so. He's an amazing artist. Or six issues. And I had the whole story there. And it wasn't. And that's how I think that I'll create my comics. It'll be like six issue series, boom, done with that character. Maybe later on there's like some kind of crossover, special edition issue. But if you keep it small in that way, here's a cool thing. Your audience isn't going to collect like every thousand copies of or every thousand issues of your superhero, but they will collect the six of them. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Or a one-shot. Kind yeah. of felt, I kind of felt overwhelmed when I went into the Avengers because yeah, I'm not, I'm not a DC, I'm not a Marvel, I'm not. So I was going to sit down, and I mentioned to my usual co-host Mike and to Dave that I was going to watch one of the Avengers movies, and mm-hmm. I ended up. Well, no, you have to start at this one. Well, no, no, no you should see this one first. But <laughs> like, you have you to go. watch that one before you watch this one. By the time the two of them were finished, I had a list of 12 movies I needed to watch before I could watch the one that I was going to sit down to watch. 15, so technically. I totally, I totally get the whole intimidation. You know, I'm just not going to bother. I'm just going to go over here and watch something else. <laughs> but see, that's the beauty about digital well, comic yeah. platform, yeah. though. Yeah. Because with the, the digital platform, you can go find those issues. You can pay 99 cents for... I mean, it doesn't matter where you're at in the world. Ninety nine cents is not that much. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely, you, and that's. I think that's another big part of digital platform. Mm. I'm trying to keep myself yeah, from geeking out. I'm. I'm. I'm like right there. Geek okay. away, Dave. Geek away. <laughs> it's, it's a time to geek out. It's now. Yeah, I, I. I don't really geek that much. Not anymore. People are like, act your age. You're old. No. Okay. Okay. I talk, I talk to you and Mike every day. You two geek out constantly. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay. Here's a question for you. Going back to you specifically. Um, yep. What are you working on anything at the moment? Any type of artwork or uh, pin up? What are you working on? Yeah, right. Um, so I'm not working on any comic books and I'm really looking forward to actually sitting down one day and spending a month doing research. And by research, I mean watching movies, (laughs) trying to get ideas and reading other comic books, um, because there's a lot out there that, that I just love and inspires me. Like I've got a list of comic book names actually that I've just brainstormed and listed down when they, when I think they might sound good. I'll read a few of them out for you because they're pretty funny, actually. Um, uh, one of them's called, uh, so Radcore Ultra X. Ooh. Uh, Demon Deathcon. Ooh, I like that one. <laughs> I like that. Um, Gridlock. And, uh, yeah, you know, that's all I've got really there. But, you know, it's just, I, I think about this stuff all the time and, and about the cool comic that I'm going to create one day. But I know that, you know, I, I want to see how to draw comics through to the end, at least to a point where I can call it a done day and step away from it a little bit, or at least not have to keep, have it so much upkeep. Um, and, you know, the great thing is, is, you know, I have gained a following through how to draw comics because of the community and uh, the people who check out the educational content. So it's super cool. And many of them are like, where's your comic book? Like, we want to see it. Why are you doing comics? <laughs> I've been saying that for years. 
Totally. And, you know, there, there, there is offers that come through to, to work on comic book projects and it sucks to have to say, uh, like I, I find it super hard to say no. Um, so I've really had to push myself to do that, but mm-hmm. you know, it's, um, but at the moment I'm working on, so I'm working on the heroines course, super heroines course, and I'm doing up a, I'm scripting every single second of that out. So it's a demonstration shows three shows you how to create three different superheroines each with unique attributes so goes through the process of rendering chrome materials and a leather and how to render the the hair of the character and that kind of thing light hair dark hair medium colored hair and where can you find this at so you'll be able to find it at howtodrawcomics.net december 10 is the scheduled release hopefully it'll be december 10 because I'm uh, notoriously terrible at keeping deadlines. But um, <laughs> the other cool little thing on the side of that course is I thought it'd be really cool to create kind of like a, a special like little bonus thing that I'm throwing in there just for fun, which is essentially like a it's kind of like a small sketchbook of superheroines. Awesome. Right? And that's to keep me sane while I do the scripting because I'm just <laughs> writing all the of them. Um, yeah, but yeah, I thought that'd be cool. I want to throw in a bunch of workshops as well that actually take people step by step through the coloring in more detail, and you know, through the inking and overview of Manga Studio, that kind of thing. But it's pretty much consuming my entire attention at the moment. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I wish I could tell you more, but I'm a pretty boring dude. I do the same thing every day. <laughs> no, I I, it's not. It's not boring at all. It really is not. It's not. It's, you know what, um, and I'll, I'm going to give you kudos because one of your best assets, other than the fact that you're an amazing artist, is you are one of the most patient people I know. Because oh, I, you. I'm the type of person, and you, you both can attest to this. I have an idea. I want it. I want it finished by tomorrow. I don't care if it's a three month project. I want it finished by tomorrow, and I want it chop chop. But yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> but for you, yeah. you've you've slowly taking your time, and you're still taking your time. And I know that you know the you can hear it in your voice the the passion and desire that you really want to sink your teeth into your own you know your own universe, your own world. But you're being patient. Yeah. And it's like yeah, the man. old the old adage of walk or crawl before you walk. And that's you know my hats off to you, my friend. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate that. You know, there have been times when I felt a little bit burnt out. Uh, especially when I backtracked on a course that I've spent months on and realized it wasn't going to work out or, you know, whatever. But, and how did your comics has been going for like, someone said six years, but I think it's only like four or five years at this point. And, you know, it's only now kind of getting to a place where I'm hoping to get it up and running as a, as a proper business that stands on its own two legs and one that doesn't require another job to keep it going. But, and, you know, I'd love to open up, like, mentoring and stuff like that mm-hmm. through the actual website. I think that's the next step. You know, I'll take on maybe, you know, three students for three months and really help them get their skills to a, a real, like, upgraded level. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's all future plans, and I try to hold back on uh, skipping from one thing to the next before I've completed the current one. Yes. And, you know, it's funny, Dave, because you're not you're, you're not the first person to say that I have an extreme amount of patience, and I'm super thankful for that because, you know, I, I know that uh, it'll be definitely the key to actually seeing this through to the end. And mm-hmm. when I jump onto my comic books, I'm going to need patience for that. You know, I'm going to have to sit down every day at the desk, work on those comic books until they're done. And I'm going to have a billion ideas coming at me every single day of new things that I can do. So I've got to resist them. <laughs> well, you've come a long ways yeah. as an 18-year-old kid out of Tasmania. That's that's who I met. You've come a long ways. I'm yeah. <laughs> totally, man. That's where I was. I mean, you've known me. All the friends I have currently are friends that I've known for less time than I've known you, which is pretty crazy. It is. <laughs> for the most part, anyway. Yeah. And and uh, originally, I remember the, the the original conversation because I approached you as you know a business offer, 
and it just kind of turned into a friendship. So that I'm fortunate on that behalf. Yeah, totally. You know, it was it was super cool. And like I said, the work that we did do on Sergeant Ein together, it was super fun at the time. And it, um, yeah, it taught me a lot. I love the character. I thought he was cool. And hey, man, who knows? Like, what what'll happen in the future? Maybe one day we could revive him somehow. But even in a, at least in a small way, you know. I've actually I have three edition. I was gonna say I already have thick plots for like <laughs> really tons of. So you've done a few issues. Just uh, writing. Nothing, cool. nothing artwork wise, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He's like other than the uh, Yolt gnome, he's my my one of my favorite characters. So I have tons of stories for him. That's awesome, man. Well, you know what? It's good to hear that you're back in the comic game. And uh, the future is looking bright for us, man. You know, the other correlation I was almost I was going to say is, um, you know, what happened in the 90s with Image, one of the reasons they were so successful is because they took the entire industry to a whole new level art-wise and obliterating everything else that was out there. So, yes, you know, hopefully we're going to do the same thing and we're going to have most importantly what attracts readers to comics in the first place which is the love and passion behind them right yeah i mean that's that's i mean mm. that's the whole thing is when you're not motivated by greed and money it mm -hmm. it takes it to a whole new level totally comic book fans are ferocious <laughs> and they, dedicated they're they, dedicated uh, <laughs> they absolutely are where can people find you if they were to go and cyberstalk you like I did? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, anyone who wants to track me down can find me on uh, Facebook, of course. Just It's Clayton Barton. Um, we have a Facebook group for How to Draw Comics called How to Draw Comics. It'll be the first one that pops up in the search bar. It's uh, almost 30,000 members right now, which I never thought it would get to. But wow. It's super amazing. It's very a very engaged group who post incredible, mind-blowing artwork every single day. And the cool thing is, is that if you're a new artist just starting out, they're going to give you help and they're going to give you support to help you get your skills to that next level that you're looking for. There's the uh, Facebook page for How to Draw Comics, which is the same thing, just How to Draw Comics. Make it real easy for people, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. And, of course, you can visit the site, as I said before, howtodrawcomics.net. And if you'd like uh, comic art tips, tricks, and tutorials, or you want to find out about new and upcoming courses and stuff, you can subscribe to the emailing list, uh, which is just you know a super convenient way for us to keep in touch and um, you know, let you know about new stuff that's happening with the, with the site and the content that's coming out for it. But that's pretty much it. Personal portfolio is just ClaytonBartonArtist.com, and that's all I've got to give you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being with us today, tonight, tomorrow, Clayton. That's all correct, <laughs> technically. <laughs> yes, it was. It's today, tonight, tomorrow. And congratulations again on your member of the month um, win for issue 65, Transform. It was an incredible piece of artwork and i look forward to seeing more of your pieces in the world of myth great thank you so much much appreciated all right you have a good evening no worries i will thanks so much guys i really appreciate that thanks for having me on take care okay and take care bye right. see you later okay holy crap that has to have been the longest podcast he's a giver he did really well that was incredible. We didn't have to. He just just kept like he really filled in a lot. That was good. Yes. I, mean, I didn't mind sitting here listening to him talk either. See what you missed, Mike? <laughs> yeah. So that was good. It was. Thank right. you for listening to the World of Myth Bits. You can find us at the World of Myth Bits on Facebook at G W O M B. On Twitter, you can find me at Lupa B on Twitter or Stephanie Barty on Facebook. And you can find Dave. Where can we find you? 
Uh, let's see. You can find me Facebook at David K. Montoya. Oh, any medium, it's David K. Montoya. I have that. I have that trademarked. <laughs> so whether it be <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, it's David K. Montoya, and that's all you want from me. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for tuning in again for another week, and we will talk to you again later. See ya. Bye. The world of Mitch Bitch.